Hello, Florida Bar members and Florida registered paralegals. This is a quick reminder from the Standing Committee on Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers that you are approved to use the Florida Lawyers Helpline, a completely free and confidential around-the-clock helpline designed to support you in managing the challenges of both your personal and professional life. By dialing 833-FL1-WELL or 833-351-9355, you can connect with mental health professionals who are ready to assist you. Take advantage of up to five complimentary in-person or telehealth counseling sessions annually. And remember, there's no limit to the number of calls you can make. Reach out today. You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm the director of the Practice Resource Center and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Jamie Moore. I'm a practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So the news has been filled with stories about chatbots, artificial intelligence platforms, and everything they can do to revolutionize the way law firms operate, bringing numerous benefits to both legal professionals and their clients. These technologies can streamline administrative tasks and enhance research capabilities. By automating repetitive and time-consuming processes, chatbots can free up a lawyer's time, allowing them to focus more on their clients and the complex aspects of their work. However, it is crucial for legal professionals to be mindful of the ethical concerns surrounding the use of chatbots and AI. So joining us today to discuss how AI can automate a firm's processes is Tom Martin, CEO of Law Droid. Tom is a graduate of Yale and UCLA School of Law and is a legal AI advocate, lawyer, author, and speaker. He is the CEO and founder of Law Droid, a generative AI legal technology company, and is co-founder of the American Legal Technology Awards. Clients include ARAG Legal Insurance, Faskin, Tennessee Alliance for Legal Services, Palace Law, and many law firms. Tom has been recognized as an ABA legal rebel and a Fast Case 50 honoree. He is presented at the ABA Tech Show, Legal Week, Iltacon, Cleocon, and Legal Innovators. Tom's writing has been published in the ABA's Law Practice Today, Law Technology Today, and GP Solo Magazine. Tom has his own podcast, Law Droid Manifesto, on iTunes. He also serves as a mentor at the Yale Sci Center for Innovative Thinking and ATJ Tech Fellows. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, Jamie and Christine. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. We are thrilled to have you. So let's let's kick off by you telling us, how did you go from being a lawyer to being a tech CEO? What led you to this path? Sure. With like mo- most professional paths, it's been a winding and interconnected road, right? So <clears throat> I've always had an interest in technology since I was a kid. And naturally, whenever I could bring it into the mix with practicing law, I chose to do that. Um, When I established my own law firm back in 2006, I had 
obviously a greater range of authority to implement it in whatever I did. And so I did that and um, built some stuff in-house and that inspired me to create a company out of it. I love that. So you're, it's, you're the perfect person because you're on both sides of this issue. And so like every topic, some of our listeners are very well-versed in what we're talking about. And some of them have no idea what AI is. Um, so to demystify it for those people, can you talk about, you know, we don't want to know about the inside of our iPhone, but tell us generally what AI is and some of the ways an attorney can use it. So artificial intelligence generally is when when a computer can perform a task that would normally require human intelligence, right? I think a current example of that might be summarization. You know, normally if you have, let's say, a deposition transcript and you want to summarize it for certain key mentions uh, because you're putting your case together for trial, you might hand it off to a paralegal assistant or associate and say, hey, can you do this for me? Find every reference to, you know, whatever, the smoking gun. And they go ahead and they do that, keeping in mind what you're looking for. Uh, well, now you could do a task like that with generative AI. But that's not to say that that's, that generative AI is the entirety of artificial intelligence. It's actually a quite a big uh, tent that has a lot of different methods and and tools. But that's the one that most people are talking about today. When I started LawDroid seven years ago, we were making chatbots that weren't quite as sophisticated, but they used conditional logic, uh, logic branching, and even intent-based AI. And so now we've come a long way. We've implemented generative AI as an additional layer on top of our platform, and it's providing a lot of great leverage for lawyers to 10x their productivity. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what chatbots are and how they can be particularly helpful to a solo or small firm? Sure. Chatbots, you know, they get kind of uh, pigeonholed with the little widget that you see on a website where you click it and then it talks back and forth with you. And that's one of the things it does. But it's really a conversational agent. It's essentially a virtual worker. And you can um, ask it to perform tasks for you. Uh, you can have it interact with people on your behalf. So one example is you could take um, a chatbot, put it on your website, and have it constantly having conversations with potential new clients, uh, qualifying them to see if they fit the kind of client that you're looking for. And if they are, then to forward them to requesting a consultation, booking that, and then integrating that with third-party applications you might have like a CRM or a case management system to make sure that they go onto your calendar only when you want them to. They've come a long way because um, I think we've all been on those websites where you, you basically want to scream because the chatbot just keeps saying something like, I didn't understand that or like keeps offering you the wrong suggestion. Can you talk about like, I think that... Um, uh, the the ones that exist that are being used correctly, a lot of people don't realize they're not talking to a live person. Is that right? Yeah, they do a pretty good job of either recovering when they don't know what the answer is, or um, just capturing your information and then getting you know getting the question that they can't answer and forwarding it to human staff. 
it's a much more fluid conversation that you could have now with a conversational agent. And yeah, sometimes if they don't tell you, you might not even know that it's, it's a computer you're speaking with. And so for a solo that doesn't have a lot of support staff, what are the tasks that this person, or that the chatbot could replace that a person would normally do? Like how far can it go? Can you give us an idea of like, is it, it can it actually put it on your calendar or can it, you know, collect uh, the intake information? What are some of the things that it's doing? Sure. So with Lawdroid, we have an AI legal assistant that helps with some research tasks, summarization, uh, a lot of different things that you would do throughout the day. So it's kind of like a Swiss army knife to help you with various tasks. But it's built on top of our platform that allows you to create your own AI legal assistance for various different tasks. And so with that platform, with our LawDroid platform, you could actually build you could build a chatbot that captures leads on your website like we just talked about. You could also build one that intakes new clients. So if they convert to actually being new clients, a lot of lawyers, they have a checklist of information that they need in order to get started. And you could, rather than have an assistant paralegal or yourself, take an hour of your time going through all of that capturing of information, you could send them a link to the chatbot. They have a conversation where all of that information is logged and captured. And we could even use it to connect it to a document that needs to be filled out. So if you have an intake memo, it auto-generates the intake memo based off of the interview it just had, and you're off to the races when you have your first contact with that client, you have the benefit of all of that at your fingertips. And then even beyond that, if you want to provide packaged client services where there are certain documents that you need created as part of the legal service, we can integrate interviews and conversations so that the captured information actually completes the documents in a Word doc format so you could still review it, edit it, but it's already 90% there. So you could really use these systems to your advantage to really capture a lot of the time that you would um, otherwise waste back and spend it on more strategic decision-making and going home quicker. <laughs> that's, that's a big plus for yes. attorneys. I love that. Um, so I, I just did that this week with my doctor. They, I'm surprised, like on my phone, how much information, you know, the bot asked you. And I guess it's almost like a answer tree. So one thing leads to the next thing. And so just like in the medical world, confidentiality in the legal world is a big deal. So what are the precautions that should be taken to ensure a client's confidential information when the attorney is using chatbots? Yeah, it's it's a big concern. Um, you know, we have client confidentiality, uh, privacy, and we do our best to protect that. I think what any lawyer should do is they need to look at the vendor that they'd be working with and ask those questions for sure. So with the LawDroid platform, uh, we protect privacy and security by number one, none of the information that's submitted to our systems is used for training purposes. Um, that means that um, with generative AI, one of the ways it becomes smarter is that it takes in the information you provide it, and then sometimes it uses it to learn how to be smarter. Um, the problem with that potentially is that a third party could enter a request that triggers that information and might disclose information to a third party. Now, the terms of service that we have when we use OpenAI's system, 
uh, it prevents that so that none of that information is used for training purposes. And then in addition to, to that, we encrypt all the information that's submitted to us. And we also encrypt it at rest when it's in, within our system. So we take reasonable precautions to prevent it from being disclosed or uh, being discovered by any third party. Very good. What are some of the limitations or challenges when using chatbots in a law firm and how can they be addressed? So the limitations I think are first that it does take a little time to get to be familiar with it. Um, our platform is a no code platform. So that means that you can build it on your own. And the big advantage to that is that you could build it for your own purpose and use case, which can be fantastic. But at the same time, it requires you to become familiar with our system and how to build it. So that could take some time to get familiar with it. The plus of that is that once you do build it, it runs 24-7, 365, and you could essentially replace some tasks that you would normally have uh, admin staff doing. But there is some uptime, you know, the upskilling time to learn how to use the system. So that could be a drawback. I like that. Yeah, I actually, I watched one of your videos on how you were demonstrating that, how attorneys can go in and kind of and customize it for their needs. So I really liked that feature. I think that's great. It's not just one size fits all for everyone. You can streamline it to what works for you. Right. Different practice areas are going to need different things from, uh, yeah. from the intake. But one thing I should throw in there is that whenever there's a more complex situation where you need help, we're here to help and we can help lawyers and law firms build out workflows. So how can, if a law firm is now using the chatbot, how can they assess the effectiveness and the success of it? Are there metrics? Are you able to, um, you know, are there some reports they can see, like how many leads are generated or, you know, those kind of things so they can really tell if they're getting their money's worth? For sure. It's extremely important. And I know when I've talked about building chatbots in the past, I've said that you should start with a goal in mind. Uh, you have to have some type of metric that you're going to measure to see if you're being successful. And so if we take one example, which is the lead capture chatbot. Now, just to be sure, that's not all it can do. It can do many other, other things. But if you do put it onto your website to capture new business, we have analytics within our system where you can gauge exactly how many people are going to the web page that the chatbot is on. So those are not people yet that have used the chatbot, but how many people are just going there? Then secondly, how many people are having conversations with the chatbot? So from that, you could calculate a conversion rate from people that are on the web page to those that actually engage the chatbot. And then further, we keep track of how many times messages are exchanged back and forth with the chatbot, which is a measure of engagement. You know, how, how engaged are people in speaking with the chatbot? And then finally, we have the ability to track their usage of the chatbot. So for example, if there's different buttons that you have in the chatbot to choose from different practice areas, let's say criminal law or family law, we keep track of percentages about how each button is used. And then you can actually make data-driven decisions because over time you could look back and see, oh, you know what? A lot of people, in fact, 76% of people are choosing to learn more about criminal law. And I don't have a lot of advertising for that. Maybe I should really lean into that and get more clients because that seems to be what people are interested in. That's valuable data. Yeah. 
Definitely. So one of the most common complaints reported to the bar is a lack of communication from lawyers. Can chatbots help improve communication? They really can because that's what they're all about is uh, conversations and communication and automating that. So yet another use case, especially small solo and medium firms can take advantage of, is communicating uh, milestones. So like one thing that comes up throughout representation is that you want to keep the client informed about where they are on their path to the end of (laughs) the case. Like, where am I going? What's happening? And so a lot of that is fairly standard. Like, let's say it's a family law case and you need to, you're at a point where you need to gather information from the client, uh, financial information. You could actually send them an email that uh, tells them a little bit about where you are, but also has a link to the chatbot, which walks them through an actual explanation step-by-step of where they are in the process and what they have to do next. And you could also include not only text, but video, images, downloadable documents, and really have an engaging conversation with them. And the beauty of it at the end of it is that you actually have a log of it. So if in the future a client ever comes back and says, hey, you didn't explain that to me, um, instead of having a vague log of some phone call that you had, you actually have the receipts. You have this the blow by blow of what the chatbot explained to them, them clicking buttons, say, yes, I understand. Let's go to the next step so that you have a record. I think that's yeah, great. and it's this is so far advanced. Like when I've been at the bar eight years, and before that, I was a law firm administrator. And one of the tips that I always give attorneys is, um, and this is so basic, but when you are sending out bills every month, make detailed bills where you don't just tell them a drafted complaint. Like you actually tell them what it was. You know, just a little bit more information. They feel like they're looped into the process. So exactly what you're talking about. Like they want to know what to expect, where it's going. So I really, really like that this is providing you know, such a fleshed out version of that. Um, so it's going to, you know, so then you're not having to handhold the whole time, which is, you know, I'm obviously that's going to take a lot of time, especially if you're a soloist or a small firm, you don't have enough manpower to do that. So that's really where AI comes in. But can you talk about generally, so everyone, like when chat, chat GPT blew up on the scene, attorneys were using it for free. We saw it in the news. Like, um, can you talk about there, we've already seen that the attorneys that got in trouble because it made up fake citations and they just went ahead and filed these pleadings with the court. Can you talk about um, what hallucinations are, for example? Yeah, happy to talk about that. And we have to talk about it. It's usually the elephant in, a, in the room when we talk about generative AI and the Avianca case in New York was the prime example of what could go wrong if, if you're not familiar with these systems. So the number one thing that I'll say is that it's very important to make a distinction between ChatGPT or Claude or Bard or any of the ones that you could use for free or for a small fee from the provider like OpenAI directly on the one hand. And then on the other hand, there's products that have been purpose built for law um, like Lawdroid, like Case Text, Spellbook, and a number of other vendors. And how we're different, how Lawdroid is different, is that we build on top of the technology that ChatGPT employs. So because we build on top of it, it means that we could build in a number of safeguards to prevent uh, hallucinations. 
So one quick example I'll give you is that when people do case law research on Lawdroid, uh, we integrate with OpenAI's technology, but we also link to the Harvard Case Law Project, which is a reliable database of close to 7 million US federal and state cases. And so when we pull information about cases, we're pulling from that source of truth. And generative AI, when it's connected to a reliable data source, does a fantastic job of producing reliable answers and information. So that's the key difference is that ChatGPT, it relies on its generalized training. It's not purpose-built for law. And then law vendors like LawDroid are purpose-built for law, and we tie ourselves to reliable sources of information. And I've even heard of where the people asked the same chat GPT, are these real cases? And then the <laughs> chat GPT says, of course they are. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't I don't think everyone's prepared to understand what's going on. And I love all the things it can do. Like I've seen it can come up with new ideas. It can draft emails for you. It, and like we, we heard some of the scary things where people started talking to it like it was a friend and it, it seemed to express emotions. I mean, it can, it goes down, you know, I think you have to be careful because you start to trust it like you would a person. Um, so I, I, that keeps coming up. Yeah. So how can law firms strike a balance between leveraging AI for efficiency while preserving the vital role of human judgment and legal expertise? Well, I think that it's extremely important that as the ethical rules require that we continue to supervise all activities that are happening within our law firm. Um, it, it doesn't matter that it's an assistant, a paralegal, or a GPT-enabled technology like, like LawDroid. Regardless of what, it, what the source of it is, as lawyers, we need to review it and we need to make sure that it conforms with our best practices and what we're going to stand behind because ultimately we stand behind it. Um, either our firm name or our name as an attorney is on the paperwork and we have to be certain of what we're providing and that it's of high quality and competent. But I think if you're starting out with generative AI, if you're starting out with chatbots, I mentioned there's a ton of different use cases. Most of our clients, most of the law firms we work with, they start with either the AI legal assistant to help them out with a few tasks, or they'll start out with a lead capture chatbot because that's the one closest to the money and new business. But my point is, Start small, you know. Take take the first step, see what it's like, um, learn from it. We're obviously learning from the customers that we work with. We have over six hundred customers now, and we learn every day from them about what they're using it for, and they're also getting to learn and give us feedback about what they want. So that's what I would recommend: is take take a baby step, get your feet wet. This is not the future. This is now, and you just need to get familiar with it. That's right. So there are so many AI products popping up. What should a law firm look for when they're shopping for an AI solution? And I, this is a two-part question because in your bio, we mentioned that you are a co-founder of the American Legal Technology Awards. So is there anywhere that an attorney can go nowadays and say, okay, tell me what are the good products and what, what is safe to be using? Because you don't want to ask chat GPT because again, you could get a hallucination of, you know, as a response, but w where are the safe, um, like, you know, we listen to Bobby Ambrosi, we know that he's an expert, but where are people going for this information when they're looking for AI products? Yeah, it's, 
It's a great question. Um, a framework to have is how are they dealing with privacy and security issues? How are they tackling hallucination problems? What tech stack are they using? Are they using OpenAI's technology? Are they using something else? And how does that work? Um, how responsive are they to support requests? Who are some of the clients that are working with them? What are some of their reviews that they provided about the company? Some of it is kind of the standard stuff that you would look for from any software or any company you work with, but you just want to make sure that they appear to be reliable, that they've been around for a while. You know, Logroid, for example, has been around for seven years. Case Text has been around for 10 years. And, you know, who the founders are. Like, do they have any uh, domain expertise in, in the law or in technology that really makes them uh, qualified to work in this area? So those are some of the questions that I would be thinking about. And as far as um, where to find out more about these types of solutions, of course, Google, but Bob Ambrosi's uh, website, you know, <laughs> he has a great directory on there. Uh, you mentioned him and, and yeah, he does have a great like matrix with different key points to consider for each company. So I would look, look there. And can you tell us a little bit about the American Legal Technology Awards, where that's going? Is that brand new? Thrilled to talk about American Legal Technology Awards. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited about it. We have it coming up in October. It'll be our fourth year. Um, I co-founded the American Legal Technology Awards with Kat Moon, who's a professor at Vanderbilt, and Patrick Pallas, who's a workers' compensation and personal injury lawyer out of uh, Tacoma, Washington. They're great friends of mine, and we founded it. Sounds naive, but we did found it because we're friends. We love our community, this legal innovation community, and we wanted to recognize people that are doing great work and have a party. That's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> Nice. Excellent. Um, so do you provide any disclaimers stating that your AI generative software's content should be reviewed by a licensed lawyer before they utilize it? Do you put that out there just so it's in the forefront, I guess you could say? Very much so. Um, at, the, at, the, at the bottom of um, the screen where you actually input your text, where you request things, there's a highlighted yellow box that says, Exactly that, uh, you know, that you're the <laughs> lawyer, you do need to review this. Obviously, you know, we're, we're doing our best to make the information that we do provide as reliable as we can. But we have that there to make sure that people stay cognizant that they need to review the information and still um, be careful. And so I want to, I do want to talk specifically about your product, Lodroid. Um, you have Copilot and you have Builder. Can you tell us specifically, like, are these both, like I, a lot of the articles, I things become out of date so quickly, so it'll say coming soon. Are both of these fully um, available now to attorneys? What are they integrated with um, as far as I saw you um, present with Clio? So are they connecting with other software packages? Do they speak to each other? Can you tell us what they do? Yeah, of course. The new one is um, Copilot. It's our AI legal assistant that came out at the end of December, January. And that's the one that's like a Swiss army knife of productivity. But we did build it using our existing builder platform. And so builder is a no code platform where you can create your own chatbots. So that's been around uh, for a couple of years. And it makes it really easy that you could build your own AI 
legal assistant for whatever use case you have in mind. So the two of them together are a very powerful combination. I find that most uh, new customers, they get their feet wet with the AI legal assistant with Copilot because it helps them be more productive. And then when they learn how to use it and they think, oh, well, I could use this for something else or, or if they're a larger firm that they want to build this out, but they don't want to hire their own team in-house and they just want to experiment with the AI, well, they could use Logroid Builder to build it out themselves without having to hire a development staff. And then what, how does it work with Clio? I, I know a while back, it seemed like one of the quicker ways to, to get your product because there was a waiting list was if you were a Clio user. So is it integrating with Clio? Um, like the lead capture, how does that work? Yeah, for sure. We integrate with both Clio Manage and Clio Grow. So Clio Grow is the kind of like the lead capture management software that Clio has. And so the way it works is that if uh, the chatbot is on your website, if we have the Logroid lead capture bot on your website, has a conversation with someone, captures their contact information, we can forward that uh, contact information automatically into Clio, um, Clio Grow. So it shows up as a new lead and you don't have to do any double entry. You don't have to waste your time on it, um, any of that. As soon as the, the lead hits submit, um, they go through to Clio Grow and you can follow up with them as you uh, normally would with that system. Nice. You're not the typical attorney. You said that you've been interested in tech since you were very young. But what we see at the practice management at the Practice Resource Center, because we help attorneys with the business side of their firms. We see young attorneys that are very tech savvy, but we also, because a lot of people will stay practicing law into their 80s and 90s, um, we also hear from attorneys that don't even have computers on their desks. Why do you believe the legal field has been slow to embrace digital automation and technology? Wow. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's the $10 million question. And it's one I've been struggling with for a few years, right? Because my audience, my customers that I'm trying to help uh, for the past seven years are lawyers almost exclusively. And so it's difficult to get them on board, but I think it's become, it's changed. It's changed since November. When ChatGPT came out, I think it provided such a immediate palpable example of how this is going to change things that there's so many lawyers that have gone to hear our webinars and con you know conference sessions about AI. And I think the reason why so many lawyers are turning up now and actually listening now where they weren't before is because they can really feel the advantages that it could provide. And they're more likely to, um, to use it, try it out, and um, I, I'm really feeling optimistic now because I think that by them doing that and getting more familiar with the technology, they'll be more likely to use it. And there's only benefits for them from using it. And unfortunately, I think the lawyers that don't even have computers or that, you know, they're very old school in their approach, they're going to be outcompeted by lawyers that do use this technology because the lawyers that do use this technology will just be able to do so much more, more quickly with higher quality results. And so it's going to be hard to, um, to compete with that.
I think that's a good point. This is the first technology that really goes to the heart of what the attorney is doing. I think so much legal technology helps the support staff. It's trust accounting. It's, you know, um, scheduling, calendaring. There's a lot of that that goes into running your practice. But this is, you know, goes to the heart of like, you know, uh, summarizing documents, drafting. So I think you're right. It's it, They're able to see the, the advantage here. Yeah. And we were actually talking about this in our one of our department meetings the other day, how I think you, Christine, said somebody said, don't see it as something to be scared of. See it as a tool, like a resource to actually help you be more productive with your work. So I like that approach better than just being completely scared of it, which leads me to my next question <laughs> is, what do you say to people when they say they're they're scared of artificial intelligence and how it could you know, take away, you know, lawyer jobs and just legal jobs in general. Like replace lawyers. Yeah, completely replace them. How do you um, help them <laughs> feel better? <laughs> I, I think the best way to address fear of something new is education. And I hope that I've been doing a good job with the different webinars and the conference sessions and just talking with people one-on-one -on -one about what this actually is and how it can benefit people. Um, I think once we talk about privacy security, we talk about hallucinations, we talk about how the technology is, you know, it's not an oracle. It is, um, you know, essentially a language calculator that predicts the probable um, language that you're looking for and the answers that you're looking for. And that when we tie it to a source of truth, it provides reliable information. I think once we get into the details, and really explore it together, people become a lot less fearful and they could see how they could use it to their advantage. You know, there's really so much possibility with this and there's, there's no going back at this point. So it's really, it's really something that you need to, that everyone needs to come to terms with. I, I do myself, there's so much that it can do that. And, and as you know, it changes every day. Like there's so much to learn and keep up with every single day. Uh, that sometimes I think like, what is this going to be like for my, for my grandchildren <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. when I have them, like living <laughs> in that world? Yeah. And that's exactly, that's my next question. So we've talked about uh, all the things that seem futuristic that are actually now. Tell us down the road, what could AI do? Uh, where do you see it headed, especially in the legal field? Yeah. Um, well, the number one thing that everyone is working to solve is the the issue with hallucinations is going to be solved, uh, I think, in pretty short order. Um, within a year or two, I don't think that'll even be a concern. It won't be a, a, a continuing limitation on using these tools. And, and I should mention that it, it isn't currently uh, and it, that it is ready for prime time when you use uh, tools provided by vendors that are law specific, you know, that's the whole point of, of using, using us. But I think that um, some of the new areas are that it's going to actually be able to, to participate in reasoning, uh, reasoning out uh, different solutions and provide the step-by-step -step ways that it arrived at that conclusion, show the analysis in a more detailed way that lawyers can essentially check the work and be able to see that it's getting to the solution based on the right principles and the application of law that they would expect from anyone else, from a licensed lawyer. 
Um, and that's going to be extremely powerful. So it's only going to get better. And uh, I'm excited about how lawyers will be able to use it to really leverage their practices and hopefully work less. Oh, yes. That's the eternal question, the, yeah. the mental health and wellness uh, aspect of that mm -hmm. we didn't even touch on. If you can get some of your life back. I, I'm curious, do you know, is this a futurist thing or is it happening now? Litigators, can it um, come up with like suggested jury uh, instructions or can it like look at all the stuff that you've put in and created and can it like help you with a closing argument or an opening argument? Is that going on? You, you, you actually can do that. We, we, uh, we have an upload feature where you can upload uh, documents into our system and then you can ask it questions about that information. So for example, if you fed in uh, a case summary that included a uh, discussion of the facts and the law that was applying, and if you asked it to create an argument about why the result should be X versus Y, um, it could make that argument. Now, I'm not saying that it would be at this point the perfect to kill a mockingbird closing, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be a great start. And I think a great start is a real help right now because one thing we face as lawyers and just hu human beings is that when we face a blank page, it's it's daunting. It's daunting getting started. And so when we have something to to help us get over that first hurdle, it really helps. Nice. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Tom Martin, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Tom, if our listeners have questions, how can they learn more about LawDroid, your podcast, or publications? For sure. Uh, well, you could follow me on uh, Twitter, or I guess we call it X now, <laughs> <laughs> at LawDroid. And you can go to our website, LawDroid.com. Uh, we're also reachable on threads and Instagram at LawDroid and um, be happy to uh, explore this more with you. Perfect. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel Podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Jamie Moore. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bars podcast via iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank <laughs> you.